Bible, if you would, turn to the first book of the New Testament, the Gospel of Matthew. Turn to Matthew chapter 1. Again, it's good to see all of you. Great to be together. Most, most appropriate on this day. I hope you've had a great weekend. So if you're physically able, let's stand in honor of the reading of God's Word. Our text this morning, Matthew chapter 1, and I'll read verses 18 through 25. Listen, follow along carefully and closely with me this morning if you would. Matthew chapter 1, beginning in verse 18. Scripture, the Word of God, says this, Matthew 1.18, Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, it's interesting, right? It says her husband, her husband Joseph being a just man, and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. Matthew chapter 1, verse 20, But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, And you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this, Matthew tells us, took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Here he quotes Isaiah chapter 7. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, verse 24, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not. There's that word that we see throughout the Bible in the Old Testament, that intimate word of knowing. Knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Let's pray together, even as we remain standing. Lord, thank you for the joy that is in the gospel. Thank you for the true abiding happiness in Jesus Christ. Not happiness merely as the world, as we know in this world. But true happiness, true joy through self-sacrifice. Lord, help us to see that, even that this morning, self-sacrifice. And Lord, not even our own, but the sacrifice, the self-sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, would you help us? We've just read 
We've just read two times about the, the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And so we pray that you would help us now. Father, we come to you this morning and we thank you for this gathering. We thank you for the members of Crossway Church, for those who are visiting this morning. Father, it's not at all inappropriate to pray for missions this morning. On this Christmas morning, to pray. Lord, as we are glad, as your people, as we are glad to worship you on this day, we desire and we pray, O Lord, that you would be worshipped by all the more people around the globe. We thank you for our brother and sister, Ryan and Catherine Miller, who are laboring here in the States with Campus Outreach. We pray for your blessing upon the ministry, and we pray, Lord, for your blessing upon them. We're thankful for our members like the Gunters, who we have not been able to see for many months. We're thankful for all of those who serve in the military. Lord, we pray for your special blessing upon the Gunters. Lord, help us to truly worship in the fear of you. Lord, would you work? We might be sleepy. We might be tired. We might be thinking about gifts. Lord, grant that we worship you and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. So with our Bibles open to our text this morning, which is Matthew 1, 18 through 25, Really, as you'll see, I just want to look mainly at one verse. Our theme this morning on Christmas would be incarnation, because that's the true meaning of Christmas. So, so our theme is incarnation, and the title this morning is just one word, and the word is fulfilled. The word is fulfilled. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen His glory. Glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. That's John chapter 1, 14. John chapter 1, verse 14. Are, are you familiar, I think most of you are, with A Christmas Carol by Charles Dickens? I think most of you are familiar with Dickens and with A Christmas Carol. You know, maybe it'll... Jog your memory if I say the name Ebenezer Scrooge. Maybe you've enjoyed the story even recently like we have a couple of days ago in our family of good old or bad old Ebenezer Scrooge. You know the story. Ebenezer Scrooge, his former colleague who's now dead named Jacob Marley, who is miserable in death comes to greet Ebenezer Scrooge, Jacob Marley does, and to tell him that there are some changes that are needed. And as the story of Dickens' Christmas Carol goes, he then is met by three successive uh, spirits or ghosts. There is, of course, first of all, the ghost of Christmas past, and then the ghost of Christmas present, and then the ghost of Christmas future. I think it's interesting as we were considering this story as a family, it's not, uh, it's not an explicit Christian story, although it is interesting. It is a good story to ponder. It does have some very good lessons. I've been thinking about the second spirit that visits Ebenezer Scrooge, the second ghost. 
the ghost of Christmas presence. It seems that this particular ghost, uh, more than the others, shows Ebenezer Scrooge the great need around him. You see, if you know Ebenezer Scrooge, then you know this. You know that he was a rich man who was also completely oblivious to the need and to the poverty around him. And so this this second ghost shows him and takes him, I think he came at 2 a.m. at night, and shows him people like Tiny Tim. Tiny Tim, whose father uh, was an employee of Ebenezer Scrooge, who was not well taken care of. And he shows him people in the community, again, people of whom Ebenezer Scrooge, this wealthy man who had pulled himself up by his own bootstraps. He was oblivious to the poverty around him. He was rich, and he was oblivious. And we are thankful this morning, if I may make this comparison, we are thankful that the Lord Jesus Christ, rich, like Ebenezer Scrooge, if I may make this comparison, the Lord Jesus Christ, like Scrooge, rich, Unlike him, not oblivious. Not oblivious. Praise God that the Lord Jesus Christ was not oblivious to our desperate plight. For you, listen to me, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake, He became poor so that by his poverty you might become rich. Listen to the gospel this morning. Oh, let us wake up to the glory of God on this Christmas morning. Listen to the gospel. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor so that we by his poverty might become rich. It's kind of like the great exchange that you read about in 2 Corinthians 5.21. The great exchange of the gospel, friends. The The greatest gift that we could ever receive at Christmas. He sets aside. Oh, He does not set aside His being fully God. No. But in many important ways, He sets aside His, his, his wealth. He becomes poor. He humbles himself so that we, so that we, by his poverty, might become, might become rich. Uh, any of you, uh, you don't have to raise your hand or anything. Any of you know the book? It's a, it's a classic. It's called Knowing God. It's a modern classic written maybe about 50 years ago. It's called Knowing God. And here's what he says about Christmas. The Christmas spirit does not shine out in the Christian snob. For the Christmas spirit is the spirit of those who, like their master, live their whole lives on the principle of making themselves poor, spending and being spent to enrich their fellow humans, giving time, trouble, care, and concern to do good to others, and not just their own friends. 
in whatever way there seems need. This is Knowing God, uh, written by a man who died not long ago named J.I. Packer. This isn't, by the way, this isn't David Platt calling us to be radical or John Piper calling us to live a wartime lifestyle. This is meek and mild J.I. Packer. Listen, and what he says does sting a little bit. It stings. He talks about the Christian snob. No, the Christmas spirit, he says, is not the, is not the Christian snob. He says it is, it is our shame and disgrace today that so many Christians, so many of the soundest and most orthodox Christians go through this world in the spirit of the priest and the Levite in our Lord's parable, seeing human needs all around them but averting their eyes and passing by on the other side. He's saying, and J.R. Packer would say, that the Christmas verse, if you want the Christmas verse, then it's 2 Corinthians 8, 9. Second, if you want the, the verse, we're about to look very pretty briefly at our text. But if you want the meaning of Christmas, 2 Corinthians 8, 9, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. The verse is given in the context of self-sacrificial giving. Self-sacrificial giving. Give, my friend, my Christian friend. Live a life. The Christian life is not a life of self-fulfillment. The Christian life is a life of self-sacrifice because of Jesus. Because of Jesus. Look at Matthew chapter 1. I want you to see that, the, that Christmas is all about the Scriptures. I want you to see that Christmas is all about the Scriptures. Are you looking there with me at Matthew chapter 1? And really, I want us to look at mainly one verse. We read Matthew 1, 18-25. We read Matthew 1, 18-25. You may remember that the theme is incarnation which means God with us. The title is fulfilled. One verse mainly, verse 22. Look at it with me. Matthew 1, 22. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. That's the key verse. Now we could, look at this scripture with me, we could go to the end of the whole passage, the very end of the passage there in 25b, we could see that in verse 25 at the end it says, and he called his name Jesus. And we could think about that and we could draw a line of connection back to verse 21. Look there with me. She will bear a son, the angel says, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So we could talk about that, right? Verse 21, you shall call his name Jesus. In verse 25, and he called his name Jesus. And we could, we could talk about, in verse 25, but knew her not until she had given birth to us. We could talk about how the Bible... Listen to me, friends. We could talk about how the Bible is not uncomfortable talking about normal life. The Bible's not uncomfortable talking about normal life. So we could look at verse 25. He knew her not until she had given birth. And we could make a connection 
Back with verse 18. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, what does it say there? Before they came together. And, and we're like, oh, no, no, the Bible's, Bible is not uncomfortable talking about normal life, right? So we could, we could look at that. Verse 18, before they came together. Verse 25, he knew her not. But our main focus, no, our main focus is this, verse 22. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Friends, God is always faithful to His Word. God is always faithful to His Word. This, verse 22, is not in isolation. Can I show you what I mean? Just take 10 seconds of quiet to look at verse 22 again. This is not in isolation. Look at chapter 2, verse 14. Chapter 2, verse 14. And by the way, all of chapter 2 is also the Christmas story. And he rose and took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Do you see? Out of Egypt I called my son. Chapter 2, verse 17. Then was fulfilled what was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah. A voice was heard in Ramah, etc. How about verse 23 of chapter 2? And he went and lived in a city called Nazareth, so that what was spoken by the prophets might be fulfilled, that he would be called a Nazarene. Do you see? Do you notice the repetition? 2.23, 2.17, 2.15, There's ten of these in the Gospel of Matthew. It's very important. Over and over again it says, this was fulfilled, what was spoken by the prophet. And friends, I say to you again, God is always faithful to His Word. Does not even our Lord Jesus say, does not our Lord Jesus Himself in Matthew 5.17 say this, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but what? But to fulfill them. Why did Jesus, the Son of God, the eternal Son of God, why did He come at Christmas? There's actually various good answers that you could give to destroy the works of the devil. Matthew 5.17 is one answer. He did not come to abolish the law and the prophets, but to fulfill them. What does that word fulfill mean in Matthew 1.22? Look there with me. What does that word mean? It means to fill up. It means to complete. All this took place, Matthew 1.22, to complete what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. And they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. By the way, the book of Matthew ends, the last verse, the Great Commission, ends with God with us. Behold, I am with you always. And in the middle of the book of Matthew, 
These are like the most important beams in, the, in a building. 122 or 123, 2820, 1820. I am with you. When you're together, 1820, when you're together as a, as a body to deliberate over very important matters, behold, I am there among you. These are some of the most, if, if not the most important beams in the building, which is the gospel of Matthew. It's in the beginning. It's in the end. It's in the middle. Emmanuel, God with us. Notice in verse 22. Friends, notice the providence of God. Pastor Ray led us on Wednesday night. We were grateful to be led through the Scriptures by Pastor Ray. Notice the providence of God. Think about Joseph in this text. Think about Joseph and how his, his betrothed was found to be with child. Well, what does that mean? We know what that means. But this, this too was part of the plan of God including Joseph's temporary shame and the people casting insults. And all of this was part of the plan of God because, friends, God is in control of everything. Galatians 4, 4 and 5, at the fullness of time, at just the right time. Why was it just the right time? Because God had planned it from all of eternity that it would be just the right time. No, verse 22 says, some of this took place to fulfill what the Lord has. That's not what it says. It says all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken. All what? He says in verse 22, all this took place, all what? We'll look back at verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. And if we could briefly summarize the story, it says that when Mary, who was betrothed to Joseph, and we don't fully get this because Pastor Ray shared with us this, this engagement was not exactly like our engagements, but it was legally binding. That's why it refers to him before they're legally married. It refers to him, what, as her husband. That's why it says, did you notice that he resolved... Being a just man and a, and a godly man, he resolved not to put her to shame, but to what? To divorce her. Well, di divorce her, they weren't married. But no, they were engaged. It was, it was legally binding. But two times the text says, through the Holy Spirit she conceived a son. By the way, if you, if you do away with the virgin birth, you do away with true Christianity. Can't build, you can't build on something that is not the virgin birth. I don't just say that just to, oh, we gotta, we got to maintain these doctrines. We do have to maintain these doctrines because they're biblical. It's actually not the virgin birth. It's the virginal conception. It's actually the virginal conception. If you do away with that, ultimately you don't have the life of Christ. You don't have the cross of Christ. You don't have the gospel. You don't have the good news of Christmas, which ultimately means Jesus died for you and rose from the dead for everybody who will believe. No, this passage speaks to us of the virgin birth. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she was found to be with child from, from the Holy Spirit. Joseph's the adoptive father. Mary's the mother. God is the father. 
and verse 19, and her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Is that you this morning? Look at me, my friend. Are you part of the people of God? Are you part of the people of the Lord Jesus Christ? Let me just give you two things. And we're done with this portion. Just two things. The first is this. It is on this Christmas, on December the 25th, 2022, it is to worship. To worship. Remember John chapter 1, verse 14, and the Word became flesh. This is the fact of Christmas. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. You read 1 John chapter 1, and he says we... We've seen it with our eyes. We've, we've touched with our hands. We, uh, basically, he's saying we've heard with our ears, with our five senses. We've seen the Lord Jesus Christ. Worship. Worship this morning. Worship every day. And the second thing is from the book of Hebrews. You don't have to turn there. You can if you like. But I want you to hear this from the book of Hebrews. You may go back and look at this later. Consequently, when Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifices and offerings you have not desired, but a body you have prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sin offerings you have taken no pleasure. Then I said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God, as it is written of me in the scroll of the book. That's Hebrews 10, 5 through 7. And he's quoting from Psalm 40. I just want to say to you, worship and remember. Remember what? Remember that he was born to die. Remember that he was born to die. What is one thing that we notice back in our main text, back in Matthew chapter 1? We notice what? The obedience of Joseph. The obedience of Joseph. First of all, he's a just man. He's unwilling to put her to shame. She's gotten pregnant by another man. It's not me. She's pregnant out of wedlock. I am going to divorce her. I'm not going to run her name through the mud. So he's already just, but then the angel appears to him. Joseph, do not be afraid for the child in Mary is not. It's not what you think. The child in Mary is conceived by the Holy Spirit. You shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from our sins. And what did Joseph do? Joseph obeyed. He obeyed. We as Christians are called to obey, but that's not the main focus. The main focus is on the obedience of Jesus Christ. We as Christians are called to obey. Yes and amen. But the main focus this morning, look to Christ. Look to Jesus Christ. This is what Hebrews 10 says. Look to him. He knows our weakness. He was tempted in every way as we are, yet without sin. 
Remember what I just read. Jesus said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God. Remember, remember, he was born to die. Sacrifices and offerings you have not desired, but a body you have prepared for me. We go from the cradle to the cross. From the cradle to the cross. And he willingly lays down his life for sinners like us. For sinners like us. So that everyone who would repent of their sin and trust in him alone would be saved and we'd worship as Jesus. Yes, yeah. That, that's the name. That's the name. For he will save his people from their sins. Let's pray together. We'll take just a brief moment of silence. Father, we thank you for the obedience of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you for his death on the cross. We thank you for the resurrection, not to mention the ascension and his coming again. We thank you for his life of perfect obedience, fully God and fully man. Father, we thank you that you are always faithful to your word. Thank you for Psalm 40. Thank you for Psalm 40, which was on the lips of Jesus. Thank you for Isaiah chapter 9, that the government will be upon his shoulders. Thank you for Isaiah chapter 7, that the virgin will conceive. And they will call his name Emmanuel, God with us. Thank you that Jesus came not to abolish the law and the prophets, but to fulfill them. Thank you that we can give one another gifts this day. May we give generously. May we live a life of self-sacrifice, looking to Jesus Christ. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. Amen.